Well, I want to welcome everybody here today to First Church. So glad you're with us. And of course, right now we've got uh, our online community with us and uh, many of our first time guests with us, uh, some in the room, some online. So would you welcome all of them in right now if you're in the room with me right now? Glad to have you with us. Ah, man, like uh, Tim just got through talking about, uh, we've been in a series called The Thrill of Hope. I hope you've been a part of it all the way through as we've been uh, uh, really just walking through the Christmas uh, story in a lot of ways and looking at a lot of different characters and and, uh, finding how we can find hope in the midst of all of that story. And we've uh, launched into this series uh, uh, back when we were planning it, just thinking, man, what does the world need now more than ever, and just that word hope just kept coming up and kept coming up, and and so it's been very awesome to see how God has worked through uh, these last several weeks through this series, and and hopefully it's been working in your life and in your heart as uh, we've been walking through God's word and and uh, allowing Him to speak to us, and so uh, one of the big overarching themes that has been coming out of this is just the uh, hope that Christ gives us is contagious as it reflects off of us into the world around us. It, it should have an impact on others, and hopefully you've caught hold of that. Today we're going to be over in Matthew chapter 11, and uh, so if you want to get that ready, if you have your Bibles or on your app, you can uh, follow along, but Matthew chapter 11 is where we're going to be here in just a moment. Uh, you know, it's each year at this time of the year, this holiday season, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, if you want to back up, even go to Halloween, you know, you got four holidays within two months, and uh, it's, a, it's a hectic time of year, right? You know, some of you are coming in here today, and you're wore out <laughs> from from these last uh, two months and all the things that come with it, uh, uh, time with family and shopping and time with friends and work parties and, and uh, keeping the house clean and just all the things that come with this time of the year uh, can keep us uh, pretty pretty wore out. Now, this year may be a little bit different. Uh, you know, I've talked to quite a few people in our church family that didn't travel this year, that didn't get to go uh, see family because of uh, everything going on with uh, COVID and everything, but, but still... Uh, there is a, uh, a busyness about this, about this season when everything just continues to pile up on us. But I, I don't think it's all just in this season. We can look at our lives and really just look at our Western culture, and we, we, we are in a place, we are in a culture that just is go, 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 go. Right? I mean, you see it, you feel it, you've experienced it, and that's, that's where we live a lot of times, just go, 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 go. And a lot of it is in this effort to get more, 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 right? And because there's this idea that if I get more, then I'll find satisfaction and I'll find fulfillment. And, and so we keep pursuing after that dream of finding that fulfillment through whatever more is to you. But often the opposite is true. Uh, the faster we go, the more we go, 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 the less satisfied and fulfilled we are, the less satisfaction we experience. I can remember back when you used to flip through channels, and <laughs> now you scroll, but uh, back when you used to flip through channels, I, I can remember way back when uh, there were several times where I would land on drag boat racing, right? It was like one of those things where uh, they had nothing else to put on, so hey, let's put you know guys going over 200 miles an hour across the water. And, uh, and so I'd find myself watching drag boats. I had no desire to really watch it, but you watch them, and, and there's some incredible things about uh, drag boats 
goat racing. If you, if you watch and see, just looking at this picture, you can see it's barely, barely touching the water. It's really gliding across the water, you know, over 200 miles an hour. Because, because why? They, they don't want to be down in the water because that would only slow them down. The more friction that they, they experience from the water, the slower they go. So they want to, to hydroplane across the water. And so I can remember watching this and just saying, you know, what, what bad could go wrong with that? I mean, that's just awesome, two, over 200 miles an hour. Uh, but then you would watch it begin to happen, right? Starting to shake, starting to wham. And that's what you begin to see happen. Matter of fact, this was pretty much the only reason why we really watch these races is because you want to see the crash, right? They even, they, they plan for the crash. If you look at this little thing right here, okay, that's the, the capsule for the driver. They build the boats to crash, okay? And, and this little capsule protects the driver and remains floating after the crash. And, and so, uh, I don't know, maybe you're a drag boat fan and and I don't mean to you know make you feel bad or anything but I mean why else would we watch this but only to watch them blow up you know (laughs) but sometimes that is a great description of life isn't it go 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 faster 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 no depth because we just want to go faster in life we want to achieve more in life no depth of relationships, no depth in our spiritual walk. We just want to go faster until finally disaster. And life falls apart physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, relationally, and spiritually. Some are heading, have that trajectory towards disaster and one or more or all of those areas because all we want to keep doing is go, go, go faster. In contrast, think about scuba diving. My son Jaden, uh, him and his buddy Jono, uh, they, they've taken up this hobby of scuba diving. This past uh, summer they got to go to, uh, down into the uh, Gulf of Mexico and got to go scuba diving around a sunken ship and a reef and got to see everything. You think about scuba diving and, and it's not about speed. You're not flying across the water. No, instead you slowly descend into the depths. And as you slowly descend into the depths, you begin to see the beauty of everything around you. Creatures maybe you've never seen before. Colors that seem that, that are colors maybe you've never seen before just come out at you because you slow down and you dive deep into the depths. And you get to enjoy that. And then you slowly ascend to the top. Matter of fact, if you don't slowly ascend to the top, you're going to have some issues, right? And that, to me, is a better picture of what Jesus desires for us in this life, that that we would, would slow down and we would experience rest and we would experience his peace and we would really take in all that he has in store for us, all the beauty that we see around us in, in his creation and in his people around us, that we would immerse ourselves into this world and slow down. That's what Jesus wants us to experience. But again, unfortunately, so many of us, we've, we've jumped on the speedboat of life and we're on that, on that trajectory towards disaster. And so many who 
strive to achieve the dream when they finally achieve the dream they realize it's not the dream they thought it was matter of fact you go to solomon remember solomon back in the old testament the wisest man that ever lived and he made this statement over in ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 14 when he said this i have seen all things that are done under the sun i've seen it all all of them are meaningless a chasing after the wind I love that, that phrase, a chasing after the wind. So many are chasing after the things of this world, but have you ever caught the wind? <laughs> no. We've had some crazy wind around here in Oklahoma the last several days, haven't we? Nobody's caught it. But all the things that this world says that we need to be going after, go, 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 more, 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 is only futility as we'll never catch it and never experience what Really, God wants us to experience when we head that way. It's easy in the, in the midst of that to find ourselves weary, and maybe that's why the verse in O Silent Night uh, or O Holy Night strikes a nerve in so many today when it, when it says those words, the thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. The weary world rejoices. Do you feel weary at times? And I'm not even talking about, I'm not just talking about a physical weariness. I think a lot of us have been there. But a weariness that goes much deeper than that, a, a soul weariness, a, a, an emotional, even intellectual weariness, just a tiresome that goes deep within. Have you experienced that? For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. The idea there is that when Jesus came on the scene, it was a new day. It is a new day. And he offers some, something so much better than what the world was offering then and even what the world is offering now. And so we want to unpack that a little bit as we look at Matthew chapter 11. Now, in Matthew chapter 11, you might be wondering, what, what does this, have, this text have to do with Christmas? Well, we're going to be talking about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus. And Jesus, uh, when Jesus and John the Baptist first met, they were both in the womb. And if you'll remember that scenario, what happened that time whenever, when they met for the first time, still in the womb... What it said that John did, he leapt in his mother's womb. <laughs> I love that imagery. Like he knows, before he's even born, he knows that Jesus is special. And what Jesus was bringing was going to be special. And so before he's even born, he understands that he's on a mission, John the Baptist being the one to pave the way for the coming of Jesus. And so I think it's fitting that we talk about John the Baptist, even though this is later on after Jesus' ministry has already happened. There's a lot I believe we can learn from this part of the text here in Matthew 11. Now, here's where John is at in this part of the text, okay? Uh, John is in prison. And if you don't know all of John's story, you might, that might actually surprise you. Wait, isn't he like, you know, a prophet of God? You know, why would he be in prison? Of course, if you look at what all happened to the prophets of God, it wouldn't be surprising. But anyway, but he's in prison because he stood up for God. And he stood up against King Herod because King Herod had married his own brother's wife, and this was wrong. And, and so John the Baptist stood up against that, and so Herod threw him in prison, and that's where he finds himself. And while what seems to be happening is while John the Baptist is in prison, he's pondering life, and he's pondering what's been going on around him, and he's been pondering maybe, has he made the right decision? Have I missed something here? Is Jesus really the one? And he's beginning to question himself. 
And so in that text there in Matthew 11, verse 3, he sends some of his disciples, some of his followers, to go and find Jesus and ask him this question. And here is the question. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting? And here it is. Or should we keep looking for someone else? We've been looking and looking, and we thought we found him in you, but are we to just keep on looking because it's getting wearisome? Jesus. And that might surprise you that John, this prophet, this great leader, would ask such a question. But he, even he, was finding himself in this prison cell, weary and doubting and wondering. Why aren't things turning out the way I thought they would? The way I think they should? Have you ever been there? Have you ever asked that question? God, why, why aren't things going the way I think? I look at everything that I've done, God, for you. God, I've placed my faith in you. I've been baptized into you. I've, I've taken all the steps that you've called me to take. I, I have followed you and served you. But, God, look what's happening in my life right now. This doesn't make sense. And so you question you question, am I really seeing things the way I should see them? Why aren't things the way that I think they should be while I sit in this doctor's office again, while I stand in this employment line again, while I sit next to the bed of my child sick again, while I meet with a funeral home director about somebody that I loved? And we wonder, maybe we echo those same words that John seems to be asking. Life isn't what I thought it would be. You said those words? Life isn't what I thought it would be. I had this dream, and we were going and going and going, and we were getting more and more and more, but then it just collapsed, and just life wasn't what I thought it would be. And it leaves you doubting, and it leaves you weary, and it leaves you wondering. And it leaves you going to Jesus, maybe like John did, and saying, Jesus, I don't get it. Jesus responds to him. If you go to verse 4 and 5, it says this. Jesus told them, talking to the disciples, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Now, Jesus here, he's describing his ministry up to this point, and it's been amazing. The signs and wonders that have been done through Jesus have been just incredible, and that's why crowds are beginning to gather, people are beginning to notice, and he sends the disciples back to say, hey, tell John what you've seen happening. But there is so much more to this statement than what he's simply, than him just simply describing his ministry here. Because what he is referencing is, out of Isaiah chapter 35. It's almost a direct prophecy out of Isaiah. And Jesus, I believe, he knows that when his disciples go back and they read through, go through this list that he's given them, John's going to go, oh, okay. Prophecy fulfilled. 
once again, Jesus is the one. And I don't have to wonder anymore. I don't have to worry anymore. I don't have to be weary anymore. And so as you continue to read through Matthew 11, and uh, Jesus deals with some cities who have not been doing what they should be doing. And he, he talks about John to, for everybody to understand what John was doing and, and who he was. But if you come to the end of Matthew 11 to verse 28, uh, Jesus shifts gears from speaking to these nations and speaking to these communities to speaking to individuals. He gets personal. And there in verse 28, this is a familiar text to many. Matter of fact, some of the songs we read this, uh, sang this morning kind of hint at this when it says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light." I think whenever, when Jesus gets to this place, even after all the things he's been talking about and, and calling out the cities for their sinfulness, he gets to this place, and I still think he's thinking about John. I think John is on his heart, and John is on his mind, and he says there, come to me. Come to me, because that's what John did, wasn't it? He he sent his he couldn't physically go to him because he was in prison, but, but he sent his disciples. He was weary, he was troubled, he didn't understand, and so he went to Jesus. He sent his disciples to go to Jesus. And so in Jesus then in verse 28 says, Hey, come to me. Hey, when you're weary, when you're burdened, maybe like John is right now, just come to me. Come to me. This is a personal invitation that Jesus is rendering to anybody who would come to him. That's exactly what John did. I, I think there's several things, a couple of things we can pull out of this text that, that may speak to us. And uh, one of those is this. We find rest when we come to Jesus. I mean, just that simple step, statement. We find rest when we come to Jesus. And that's what he's going to unpack here in just a minute. Come to me if you're weary and burdened and, and I'll give you rest. We find rest when we come to him, we step into a personal relationship with Jesus. That's where we find rest. We, we live in a world filled with prophecies and enticements with all kinds of promises of fulfillment, but none of them offer the rest and peace that Jesus offers us in a personal relationship with him. I think we get a little glimpse of God's personal nature when we go back to Exodus and Moses there and the Israelites are coming, about to leave Mount Sinai and begin their 40-year journey. And God says this over in Exodus 33, 14. Uh, it says there, the Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I'll give you rest. Like that. Everything will be fine for you. Everything's going to be good, and you can, you can just rest assured, Moses, as you travel, as you journey through uh, these 40 years, I'm with you. And you can just, you can just rest in that because I'm personally there. And I love how Moses responds to him in verse 15. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. Moses understands. He gets it. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere, God, without you. 
I've got to have you with me every step of the way, God. And that's the relationship that God desires to have with us. I believe that's the relationship that Jesus is speaking of when he says, come to me. Step into a personal relationship with me. Know me. Lay everything aside, everything with all of its burdens, and just be with me. In the next few verses, Jesus begins to describe what this coming to him in this personal way looks like. Uh, when you go to verse 29, and he begins by saying this, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. Now, many of you know what a yoke is. Matter of fact, Chad, earlier, I think it was earlier this year, he, he had a yoke up here on the stage, a, a, a yoke that you would find on a farm or, where you hook it up to an oxen or a beast, and, and they pull the plow, they pull the wagon, and that's a yoke. But in the time of Jesus, a rabbi would have a yoke. It was how he interpreted the scriptures. And, and a disciple of a rabbi would, would take their yoke upon them and, and say, okay, I'm going to follow your interpretation of scriptures. This is how I'm going to live out my life as I follow you, rabbi. And so when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he's saying, follow me, do what I do. Make your decisions based on how I would make decisions. So take my yoke upon you. I want you to notice one other thing about that. Jesus doesn't force his yoke upon you. He says, take it. It's a step that we take. It's a decision that we make to take his yoke. Yes, Jesus, I want to take your yoke upon me. I want to follow your ways and what you desire for my life. Take my yoke upon you. Jesus goes on describing this uh, and what it meant to, to take his yoke when it said, and learn from me. Again, it goes on with this idea as a rabbi, you're taking on his yoke. I'm going to learn from you. I'm going to sit at your feet, Jesus. I want to learn from you all the things that you did, all the things you taught. I want to know and I want to apply them to my life and that's how I want to live my life as I take your yoke upon me and I learn from you. And then he gives us the why. Here's why you want to take his yoke. Take my yoke upon, upon you and learn from me for why. I am gentle and humble in heart. Jesus is contrasting himself with many of the other religious leaders of that day. The, many of the other rabbis of that day who, who would weigh down their disciples with just rules and rules and expectations that nobody could really stand up to and nobody could live out. And a matter of fact, the rabbis themselves and the religious leaders themselves didn't even live up to all the rules that they were putting down upon others. They had been called out for their pride and their egos and how they lorded it over others that were under them. Jesus says, no, 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 I'm different, I'm gentle, and I'm humble in heart. Some find themselves in, in the religiosity of today still finding themselves yoked to, to legalism and burdened by things that happen in the church. Uh, James Denny, he says this, they, there are plenty of men and women who get nothing out of their religion. It troubles, perplexes and oppresses them. That's not what Jesus has called us to. He did not call us to an oppressive religion. He called us to freedom in Him. And that's what we pursue 
as we take his yoke upon us. If, if it's difficult, if it's hard, if, if Christianity is a bunch of rules, a list of rules, then, then we're getting it wrong. We're living in this personal relationship with Jesus, walking with him. Jesus goes on and he reveals to us the result of taking his yoke upon us when he says, and you will find rest for your souls. I love that. This is soul rest. This is a deeper rest than just a physical rest. I mean, Sunday afternoon naps are awesome, all right? They're great physical rest. I love them. But this goes a lot deeper than that. Matter of fact, the beginning of this message, the sermon, when I was writing this, kind of went that direction. Hey, slow down, rest, sleep. And then I realized that's not where Jesus is going. That may be one place where he's going, but he's going so much deeper than a Sunday afternoon rest. He's talking about your very soul, the very depth of your being, your spiritual being, your physical being, your emotional being, your intellectual side. All of it needs rest. And rest is good, and it's the rest that he has to offer to us. That no matter what we experience in this life, that no matter what troubles us in this life, we can rest in the confidence of who Jesus is and what he's accomplished for us for all eternity. I really like how the message version uh, paints this picture of this text. I just want to read that. Are you tired, worn out? Burned out on religion, come to me, Jesus says. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. There it is. A real rest. Deep rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. We find rest when we come to Jesus. A personal relationship with Jesus is there we find real rest. There's one more thing I want to point out in verse 28. We'll back up to that. Is that this rest that we receive, it's a gift from God. It's a gift. It's not something we earn, we attain, we work towards. Look what he says there in the text. Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and what? I will give you rest. I will give you rest. It's right here. If you take my yoke upon you, you're going to get it. It's there for you to receive that, that rest that we receive, that confidence in who Jesus is and what he's accomplished for us. You see, in our culture, we work all week, we work hard all week so that we can rest on the weekend, or we work hard for 40 or 50 years so we can rest in retirement. We work towards that. We earn that, right? We don't earn the rest that God gives to us. He says, I give you rest. Literally, he says, I will rest you. That's the literal, literal translation. I will rest you. It's reminiscent to me of Psalm 23, verse 2, where it says, talking about the shepherd leading his sheep to, the, uh, to, to pasture. Remember that text? And he says there, and you make me lie down in green pastures. <laughs> I always thought that was an interesting text. But sometimes the shepherd has to make the sheep lie down in 
Here, it's that same idea. Jesus says, I will rest you. You step into my rest. You step into a relationship with me and have an eternal confidence in what I've accomplished on the cross. Now you can rest. No matter what circumstances, challenges come your way in this life, you can rest in him. Now, though, though his rest is a gift, I think there's some practical things that we can still do in our life to find rest. And maybe this is a good time to touch on this since uh, New Year's is this week. And I know you're just looking for, you know, those New Year's resolutions that you want to apply to your life, right? So let me just give you a few that I think, three that I think are practical in helping us find rest in this life ultimate rest in Jesus, but here's some things that we, we can take some responsibility for ourselves, right? So number one is this, control your schedule. Control your schedule, all right? You, you have that control to control your schedule. Now, I know some, uh, some moms are looking at, looking at me like, I have three little children at home, and you tell me I can control my schedule as best you can. <laughs> control your schedule. Say no to things when you need to say no. And say no to people that you need to say no to. Control your schedule. Number, number two, eliminate distractions. Eliminate distractions. Uh, this one, I, I would say take control of your devices. You've probably read articles, maybe you've watched shows about our devices and all the push notifications and all the ways that it interrupts our daily life and flow. Uh, on average, last study I saw, on average, uh, we pick up our phones 58 times a day, taking, on average, uh, three and a half hours out of our day. I... <laughs> the, this morning, all right, I could not make this up. I'm, I'm sitting here, and on, on many of our phones, you know, it gives you an update of your screen time, right? And, uh, of course, this week, Christmas, and I actually, I keep the Facebook app off of my phone, but this week with everything going on with Christmas, I put it back on, so if I wanted to throw something up quick, I could and everything. And on my phone this morning pops up my screen time for this week, up 21%. <sighs> And so I've removed my Facebook app again. Because <laughs> mindless we go. And turn off the notifications. You don't need to know every time the weather is changing. And go through and turn all those things off because every few moments something's popping up. Look at me! Eliminate those distractions in your life. And then lastly, goes with what we've been talking about, spend time with Jesus. Be in his word daily. Pray to him continually, as Paul says. That's that personal relationship that he desires to have with us when he says, come to me. Walk with me. Learn from me. Live the life that I desire for you. Find rest in Jesus. It's a gift, but it's there for us to take. So let me ask you that question again. Are you weary? 
Do you come in here weary today? And I'm not talking about just physically tired. Are there things that are weighing on you? Are, there, uh, are you struggling emotionally with, with situations and circumstances in your life? Some of you just spent time with your family and you walked away going, oh my gosh, a day with them is all I can handle. <laughs> and it's weighing on you. Not my family, they're awesome. Anyway. <laughs> Are you weary today? Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. He won't change your circumstances. He won't fix all your problems. But you'll have a hope. A hope that you can hold on to for all eternity. And nothing in this life no one in this world can take it away from you. So make the move. The gift awaits. Come to Jesus, and you will find rest, real rest. Father in heaven, God, you know it's so easy for us in our humanness to get wrapped up in all the things of this world. We're inundated nonstop with uh, commercials and uh, things popping up on our devices telling us what we need and how we need to live. And God, it, it is wearisome. But God, my prayer is that every one of us would just come to you. God, I know there's some that are in this place or joining us today online who've never taken that step, who've never come to you, never stepped into a personal relationship with you. God, maybe today's that day. God, I know there's others that <laughs> came to you a long time ago, but they need to come back today. And today's that opportunity to begin to walk with you once again. God, I pray that they would take that step. God, my prayer that is that every one of us would experience the hope that is only found in Jesus. God, help us to experience the thrill of that hope. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.